We thank you so much for joining us for Take 10. We come to you at the end of each of our regularly scheduled programs, and we take up a topic today that nearly every family has dealt with, mine included, and that is when is it time for mom, dad, aunt, or uncle to park the car and leave it parked? Well, the driving scenario, it came up recently. I was talking to a colleague at work, and and they were saying, you know, we've got to take away the keys, we've got to take away the keys. And there's so many things at play when you talk about driving because driving is independence. It is everything. And if you live someplace like San Antonio where there's really no good public transportation, it's also an incredible hardship. But there also may not be agreement I mean, you may think the person needs to start dri- stop driving. They may not agree. How do you really know? So, Jamie, this is just a big quagmire. Well, you know, quagmire that it is, it's also a safety issue and a community protection issue and, of course, some, something that we vitally have to do as a family member to feel safe about our loved ones. So there's definite criteria that, first, we need to understand. Certainly we see the observable behavior of why we believe our loved ones should not be behind the wheel, and, and that's very, very important. Uh, I'm not sure there's any strong, you know, screening and evidence-based piece that you can do. So the most important thing I would say for the first off of this is don't bully and don't argue your way to a rational conclusion, meaning obviously the messenger always gets killed. So anytime you go to your loved one to say you can't drive or won't drive or you know, you're unsafe or judge them and harshly in that way, you're really starting off on the wrong foot and entering into a control struggle you'll never win. That's why it's so important to understand the observable behavior that a family sees. When you say observable behavior, my dad uh, at one point had three accidents in one day. We went to a social worker. My mom was in the hospital at the time. Uh, It was the only way he could get the hospital to see her. And we got the hospital social worker to do an intervention. We got my mom on the right page. She absolutely agreed. We got my dad in the room, and the social worker starts out clearly on the wrong foot, Dr. Jamie, she was one of those people who believed every older person is deaf. And so she's screaming at my dad. So we think that it perhaps is time for you to uh, stop driving. And he absolutely, it was the worst day in my life, uh, shrunk into a corner. He felt attacked. uh, and, And he said, if I thought I had a problem, I'd tell you. And uh, he turned and said to my mom, Evelyn, what do you think? And what do you think my mother said? Uh, you're just fine, dear. Exactly. <laughs> fine, so, of course, you're, you're, a, you're a perfect driver. You're just the fine. acronym for fine being freaked out, insecure, neurotic, and emotional. Thank she you. can't really say the truth. Yeah, no, she, she wouldn't stick to the plan. Yeah. No. So listen, this is, but, but you were on the right path. I mean, getting a, a social worker, a licensed social worker, understands seniors is always a good thing. Uh, and it's always a better thing than for us to carry the mantelpiece and, as the messenger, be strewn out in the street the next day. Well, but, but she said we, we, as opposed to she didn't give she didn't give cover to the to the caregiver. Right. She said we. we. True. True. We very, think. very much so. Here's what I would say. There's a hybrid of this that's very loving, that's very, very, uh, uh, has great integrity and great ethics involved. And it's really a plan and a process that one must go through. So, Ron, as you see, and as any family member, this has to be done as a family uh, unit. It can't be done as one person. I've never seen an intervention one-on-one work. It has to be with the entire family. So you get the family together and put observable behavior of why you believe possibly your mom or dad does not need to drive now or can't drive, either one. 
you, you really take that list and as a family, not as one person, but as a family, to your mom's neurologist, to her primary care doctor, to whoever the licensed uh, provider is that's handling the case. It could even be a geriatric care manager at the time. They are trained to be able to put together a loving family intervention whereby then the licensed person has to impart the information, and they will do so, especially the doctor, because don't forget they too are on the the insurance hook for malpractice and for, for doing something scurious if something happens to your mom or dad in a car. So once you do all that, and once the person who imparts this information, i.e. the doctor, imparts it, it's then when the family gets together to make the solution. Say, mom or dad, not a problem. We're getting it straight from our doctor. Here's the plan of how we're going to get you from place to place, and you're not going to miss a beat, and we're all going to support the decision together. And if he says no... Right well, away. obviously, that, I'm going to go into Carol's world then, because there are always, <laughs> uh, I mean, there are certain ways in, in the states around the country that we don't want people who can't drive driving. And so there are ways, obviously, that we can heighten the interventions. I don't think we have to. I really believe if you do it in a loving way, and it's imparted by the physician, and we are there to help mom or dad understand that we're going to actually help them get from place to place. They're not going to miss a beat. But we have to honor what the doctor says because uh, because we just have to. Um, but we can all then provide the support and love to them through action. He's Dr. Jamie Heisman. I'm Ron Aaron. Carol Zerniel is with us as well as we talk about issues involving when mom or dad shouldn't drive. Carol, a nationally known gerontologist, member of the board of the National Council on Aging. Dr. Jamie, known for his work with caregivers and those who are addicted. And Carol, when you listen to this on paper, it plays out really well. Well, I don't, I don't think it's just paper. I, I mean, I think the important points that Jamie's making is this commitment because it can't be on paper and it can't be lip service. If you uh, genuinely need to take someone's keys away, then you genuinely need to follow through on this plan to get them where they need to be, make sure that, you know, if they want to go to church, they get the groceries, they get a chance to visit, um, and that their world doesn't just shrink into nothing because you're too busy to drive them, and yet they can't right. drive anymore because, you know, that's that's not a happy scenario. And certainly there are going to be compromises. But this is a big commitment. Uh, I just want to stress that I always thought this was the best advice I've ever gotten from Jamie was the don't be the messenger who gets shot. Right. And I think that many families put up that one person, the oldest brother, the oldest daughter. Exactly. You know, it's you have to tell dad he can't yeah. drive dad, anymore. Dad, Carol wants to talk yeah, to you. Yeah, yeah. She wants to tell you something important, and they all stare while you give the bad news. So, Jamie, I think you're absolutely on the money um, in terms of let a third party give the bad news and be the support. And, and I, I, I gather you were hinting at, in some states, if this doesn't work out, you can get law enforcement involved? Well, you know, there are protections for seniors and for those, obviously, around seniors, because there is a, a, I, I'm not going to say the big A word, because Carol knows it much better, but, the, but senior abuse is really letting somebody drive and allowing them, if they can't drive, to then have an accident to hurt somebody or to hurt themselves. I mean, we have to look at it then in, in a very much community protection way. And so, yes, there are safeguards there. But to your point, too, again, though I believe that the, the neurologists are like, and I just want you to know that this information will be imparted prior to the primary care 
uh, appointment, meaning uh, the doctor will know, and the doctor has to enter this into the medical chart record. So, so will everybody around the doctor know that the family has come with this observable behavior. But, you know, there are places like occupational therapists, too, who do assessments that if you want to bolster that family sort of intervention with even more data, you can do that. Well, and, and also know that there are some step-down measures um, maybe you're a little bit concerned, but there's, okay, mom, dad's not going to drive at night anymore. They're not going to drive on the highway anymore. They're going right. to get some adaptive equipment in the car, so better mirrors, better lighting. You know, those kinds of things can extend driving, but there does come a point when even those are not going to be able to compensate for someone who shouldn't be driving. Now, what about the Google driverless car? Is, is that down the road a solution, Dr. Jamie? I think it is. I think it's an absolute incredible solution. I, exactly when I thought that they were coming out with this car, Carol, didn't you think that this was fabulous for seniors? Oh, it's the best thing ever, and I'm going to personally, I'm inve- going to invest <laughs> in this car so that I can be driven around by my car in my old age. I like that. Beats <laughs> yeah, driving course, days. At least 40, 50 years away. <laughs> now, i got to stop you right here. we got uh, less than a minute left, so Dr. Jamie, you get the final word. Absent the Google driverless car at the moment, uh, it, it's important to remember that it is a personal and community safety issue. It is. And also, if I can leave the, your listening audience with anything, is that what drives us most from not doing what's proper, which, and this is a procedure that we're describing here, which I think is very mm-hmm. proper with great integrity, is the fact that we feel guilty. We feel guilty that the independence of our loved one is being taken away. Well, that's an extraordinarily important thing, again, for us caregivers to remember that self-care and guilt goes along with self-esteem. So, you know, you have to take care of yourself. You have to also, when you do that, be able to bring that person to your loved one in a way that is facilitated by a third party, and you always have to make sure that licensed physician, if you will, is the messenger. Boom. Time's up. Thank you. Dr. Jamie Heisman, Carol Zernil. I'm Ron Aaron. Take 10. We'll be back again.